with Jesus. Yeah. We want to have a real, deep, rich, raw relationship with God. That's why we read God's Word. It's not to have the next best hit of a sermon. It's not so that we can know the Word for the sake of boasting in our knowledge. It's not so that we can feel good and pacify our insecurity. It's so that we can know Him. That is the reward. And I just was thinking about truly, like, the end goal of reading God's Word, it has to be more than just checking a to-do list. It has to be more than just like, okay, I read God's Word, I feel okay now about myself and my stance before God. We reap the fruit of our intentions. What we sow in seed in our intentions, we will receive. And so if our intention in reading God's Word, if my intention in reading God's Word is simply just to have the knowledge and to have the basic principles, that will be my reward. Yeah. And I might feel good, and I might be more excited about being able to recite more of God's word, but wow, the great reward of my intention, the seed of my intention, Jesus, please, please meet me in my room today, God. I want to be with you. I actually want you to show me your glory in the word. I actually want the Holy Spirit, you to baptize me with your fire and your love, Jesus. <laughs> That will be my reward. If my intention is to know him, my reward will be him. Right? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. What we hunger for, we will be filled with. And so I just believe, like all of us friends, we want to know him. And so when we approach the importance of studying, it always is with the intention to know God more. It's the temp there's a temptation to read for information and not inspiration. And we have to move beyond that surface level of, I just want the information. I want to come in with my perceptions of who God is and allow the word to affirm that. Rather than, I want to be inspired by the word of God. Yes. I want to come in with humility, knowing that I am human, and he is God. And he can come in and reveal himself to me however he wants to. Right? right? And so I'm just going to read some scriptures for us. Um, when we talk about, like, the importance of reading to know God, this is actually addressed by Jesus in the Bible. He firmly resists the religious. And this is amazing. John 5, 39 through 40, if you want to write it down. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. And this is the reality is that the Pharisees had the words on their lips. They knew all the things about God. But when the Messiah was standing before them, they couldn't recognize him. Because their only purpose of knowing the word of God was so that they could, they could fill their religious obligations, right? So that they could have the knowledge and the wisdom and be looked, looked, at, looked up to as leaders or as prestigious. And our intention is everything, okay? So the religious, yeah, they wanted assurance when reading God's word. They read to help them, but not to save them. Right? They read to pacify insecurity and ratify religious traditions, but God wanted broken contrite meek's heart before him that's what his desire was it was those that were desperately searching for the messiah in the word those were who he wanted to reveal himself to right like john the baptist he knew the word of god yet he had this humility of there's more there's more there's more of god like you guys he's coming he's coming someone is coming who i'm unworthy to tie his sandals he's the messiah it's like this 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 Man knew God's word, and he knew the Old Testament, he recited it, but he also had this hunger of, there's more of God, there's more of God, there's more of God. This is how amazing God's word is. I'm just going to read some scriptures, like, that our eyes would be open to how wildly powerful the word of God is. 
The word of God, this is Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow, as it judges the thoughts and purposes of the heart. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that it is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Psalm 119.96. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. We cannot expect to be people of authority if we are not in the word of God. We are not drenching ourselves in the truth of the Lord. We will lose. We will lose to our insecurity. We will lose to fear of man. We will lose to opposition. We will lose to rejection. But if we know the word of God, it is an anchor. If we tether ourselves close to the word of God, like it says in this psalm, your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. The word of God must be an absolute priority. Joshua 1, 7 through 10. I'm just going to read this and kind of break it down for us. This is what was spoken to, to Joshua before he took the throne. It says, be strong and courageous. Be careful. This is the instruction of God to Joshua, who was about to be king, or who was about to lead Israel into their promised land. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. Meditate on it day and night so that you would be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Before Joshua stepped in to his role as a leader, this was the first instruction. Say in the word. Be in the word. This is going to be your anchor. And then the promises. You will be prosperous. You will be led. I will be with you wherever that you go. Joshua had to tear down strongholds over an entire nation. He had the responsibility to prepare a place where the Israelites would dwell, where they would be birthed, right? Joshua needed a diet of truth to be able to, 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 be able to walk in the command of the Lord. And guys, we are no different. Yeah. We are no different. This is literally our responsibility upon salvation. We were given a God-ordained responsibility, and it was this. Take back every ground the enemy stole. Take back every ground the enemy stole from your family. Take back every ground the enemy stole from your inheritance. Take back every ground the enemy stole from your personal life. And this is how we do it. We anchor ourselves in the word of God. We stay anchored in the word of God. Right? A deep, intimate, powerful relationship with God results as we understand his love for us. The way we understand his love for us is we read his word, which is his character, which is who he is, which is his thoughts, which is his, what he loves, which is what he hates. This is what we clothe ourselves in to walk in power and authority over the enemy. And part of this looks like digging deep in study. It looks like not just being okay with the first of the day, which honestly, I don't think that any of us are in this room. I don't think that we even need to speak to that like low of a standard. I think that the what we need to move past is the temptation to read as much as we can and just digest and stuff our mouths full of as much word as possible. And we need to sit and be like, this is God's word. Yeah. Lord, 
What are you saying? God, what does this mean in its context? Yeah. Not being okay with reading. I do this all the time. Something's confusing. I'm like, I'll understand that someday. Move on. I'd rather go to a book that's more easy to understand. <laughs> Not straying away from the books that are, that are overwhelming. Okay, I'm thinking to myself, there are books in the Bible that are overwhelming. Sometimes, I, so many times, I, I have, does anybody else do this? I'm putting myself out there. When it starts to list the, just the genealogies of all the families, I'm like, eh. Oh, but what if, like, God would just say something powerful about that? Like, what if he wants to? What if the reason he put that in there wasn't just because we would be, in, you know, young children that want to just drink the book? He's like, no, come on, dig deep. Why am I saying this? Why did I feel it was important for this 30 verses of genealogies to be in this book? Look at it. Read it. Ask me questions. Look it up online. See what other other like theologians have said about this. I was listening to a sermon one time where someone had this, I don't even remember who it was, but they had this deep revelation of like family lineages because of what they read literally in just a laundry list of family lineage. And God had just like just spoken to this man a truth that would carry him for all of his like rest of his days on earth. That he was like a better father because of what he knew about those lineages. Like what? There's so much more than just like reading what we understand. This is what's encouraging is we, I believe that there, the Bible sometimes is hard to read because the Lord loves to be our helper. He doesn't make it simple and clear sometimes because he loves to hear his children say, what does that mean? I want to know more about this. So really practically, like, sometimes studying the word looks like resisting the temptation to move past a word we don't understand, to move past, a, like, a length of scripture that's just, like, really, really hard to, to, to understand or hard to read through. And it looks like digging really deep and asking questions. Asking the Lord questions, asking our friends questions, asking our mentors questions, asking your pastor questions. We can play around in the outer courts of God for the rest of our lives. And we can dance in the word, and we can love what the Psalms say, and we can be love what the Proverbs say, and we can dance in the outer courts. Or we can enter into the holies of holies where the deep, rich revelation is we can sit there and wrestle with God. And we can know more about him in that place, right? And so I just want to get really, really practical with, like, studying God's word. And honestly, things that I have, it, like, done in my own life, but also things that I want to do and I want to implicate more in my own life. And so something that I think is always encouraging is praying before we read. Yes, good. It's so easy to just, oh, no, I've got an hour. Okay, I'm just going to, like, oh, read as much as I can really quickly so I can head to work and feel good about myself. But no, sit with the Lord. We don't get to determine what successful time with God is. We don't get to, like, determine what obedience looks like. We ask the Holy Spirit what he wants our time with him to look like. And I always believe in before we can enter into the word, we need prayer is humbling yourselves before God and saying, I literally need you. I literally need you, Holy Spirit, to reveal your word to me. I want you to, Jesus. And so the second thing that we can do is begin in one place and commit to that place. Begin in one book and commit to that book. Commit to studying that book for however length of time the Lord asks you to study it. It's okay to stay in one book for three months. It's okay to stay in one book for for six months. It's okay. It's okay to digest a book of the Lord. Or if you're wanting to learn about a theme, stay in that theme. If you want to learn about the love of God. Research where all the, wor- the word love is referenced in the Bible and start to literally just like 
begin a study on the love of God. If you want to learn about, I remember my friend Bethany one time was getting so sick and tired of constantly saying, oh, God's glory, God's glory, God's glory. She said, I want to know what is God's glory. What is God's glory? And she started this wrestle with God where she started to just, Lord, what does it mean when I say, show me your glory? And she started a study in the Bible about every time the Lord revealed himself in his glory. And she literally looked at every single scripture where the word glory was referenced. And I saw my first front, front row seat, my friend, go so deep with the Lord and get so hungry. And literally, like you could tell the authority when she spoke on the glory of God, it was, in, it was intense. I knew that the Lord himself had revealed what that meant to her. And it's, it was powerful. So literally... But it asks the Lord, Holy Spirit, what do you want to teach me in this season? Maybe he wants to teach you every time that he prayed for the sick. He wants to show you what, like, the deeper meaning of that. Every time he laid his hand on the sick, what happened? What did he say? What did he do? How did he respond? Maybe you want to start studying on that. Another thing is make space when we're reading. Maybe you're reading for an hour a day. Maybe you're reading for 20 minutes a day. Whatever that is, make space in that time to ask the Holy Spirit questions. To ask God questions, right? After you're reading, some questions you can say is, like, Lord, what did this mean in that context? Like, in the scriptures, there's often times where it says something super complicated, but it's contextual, right? It's like, it, it's, this is way above my pay grade, and I'm learning more about this. But what I've learned is that sometimes not everything is like, said that way because that's how we're supposed to do it today. We have to literally dig deep and say, what is the truth? What is the eternal truth that you're saying in that scripture? And ask the Lord. Like, there's an example um, that I'm going to read where in Corinthians, it talks about the headdress, right? Where women have to wear headdresses, okay? And Paul is saying this, cover your heads like, um, I'm going to read the exact scripture here. Um, okay, I didn't write down. But we have to ask, is this an eternal requirement of God? Or is there like a deeper meaning that you're trying to say? So in the scripture, when, when Paul is addressing the church and he's saying, women, cover up your heads, cover up your hair. What that means is it's not today that we are in sin if we don't cover our hair. But there's a study that says in this context, in this day, specifically in the Corinthian culture, it was really, it was appropriate and modest and respectful to your marriage to cover your hair. And so what the Lord was, what, what Paul was speaking deeper into is their modesty. He was speaking into the fidelity of their marriage, being loyal and submissive to your husband. And like when we ask that question, Lord, what did it mean in context? And we understand what he really meant. We can say, this is another question we ask. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? And maybe the Lord starts to deeply convict me on modesty and how countercultural modesty is and how as daughters of God, we are meant to... To, to respect ourselves, to, to make, take watch over the men that are in our lives, right? And we can just ask the Lord to help us work out modesty in our lives or work out submission to our husbands and honor and respect, right? And so that's like, it's crazy. That's oftentimes, that's where things get so wild is when we take scripture at face value. And I'm not talking about, I am not talking about progressive Christianity, where we say, what does that mean today? I'm going to let culture kind of shift what that means. Yeah. No. What I'm saying is there was a deep meaning to what Paul was addressing. He was addressing immodesty in the church. This church had come out of a pagan worship where women would literally worship their gods with, by dressing promiscuous and by being loud and rambunctious. So he was addressing that issue to these women. Right? 
Okay, so I, I just believe that it's important to ask the Lord just to sum that up. Lord, what is this context? Look it up. Google it. Google's awesome. It's okay to Google. It is It is okay to Google. Um, look up what many contexts. Get hungry. Get excited. Write it down. Highlight. Um, and then say, Lord, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my life? What does that mean for my life? And let him speak to you. And then the third thing is that we, before leaving the word of God, ask the Holy Spirit that he would help you be obedient to what you just read. Yes. We can, we can waste our lives reading and memorizing, but if we don't live out the word, we have fallen so short, right? Love is made complete in obedience. Show me that you love me by being obedient to what you just read. Okay? So I know that we want that. I know that that's what our hearts desire. Um, our Bible study is as effective and it is as powerful as our ability to live it out. That's just is what it is. So we're going to get real practical again. Commentaries are awesome when studying God's word. Some com- there's a commentary that was recommended to me by a mentor. It's called eSword. And it's this app. You can write it down if you want to. It's an app. It can be on your phone. It can be on your PC. And it has all sorts of commentaries within this one app that you can find your favorite one. Look up on Google. What is the best commentary out there right now? I guarantee eSword has it available for free. And it actually allows you to pull up one verse. And then in the commentary, it'll dissect it so deeply in the context and what, what the person that wrote the book was actually saying. And you can begin to study and chew on this deep, deep revelation of God's word. It also lets you do cross-referencing, meaning that if something's referenced in the New Testament in one verse, it'll show you all the scriptures in the Old Testament where that same thing was referenced. And it's kind of cool to really understand God's word in that way. And that one app sort will like be is an awesome tool for that. I've heard really good things about Matthew Henry's commentary. I probably stumbled on it. I honestly like to use these sorts, so that's where I usually go. But I've heard Matthew Henry's commentary is great. Found that on Google, to be honest. And then another thing is um, something, a message that Brennan and I just listened to. I think he listened to it. But it's Breaking Passivity by Andy, Andy Bird. And he just spoke on it a couple weeks ago. And he really talks about just like being ones that seek God's face for ourselves and that we don't live, he says, on the sound bites of leaders or pastors and so if you really want to learn more i just think that it's it's a it's incredible message for all of us so it's called breaking passivity by anger and then there's a plan that mike bickle writes and i've been getting really into his library right now online where it's like hundreds and hundreds of his sermons that are powerful messages if i could learn from a few people but mike bickle probably one of those people i just want to sit in his classroom and just learn from him and he writes a bible study action plan literally he writes it out, an action plan that he follows. And literally, if you just Google Bible study action plan, Mike Bickle, you'll find that. If you really want to go deep in God's word, it's a really intense plan that he onboards you onto in that, in that PDF. But if you're really hungry to really study God's word, I would just encourage you to look at it. And then I just want to speak to, like, one book that I love. I was, like, learning a lot about women and why there are certain scriptures in the Bible and in the book of Second Timothy, or maybe it's First Timothy, and why he like addresses women, don't preach, don't speak, whatever. And I read Why Not Women by um, Lauren Cunningham and his wife, and it's powerful. And it literally is like a study on every time that women were told to be, be quiet or were told to not preach or were told to not speak. It breaks down why was it said that way. 
And so if that is something that really intrigues me, it's something I am continuing to learn. But if it intrigues you, like a study on specifically women in leadership, women speaking, that's a book that I just personally recommend. And it gets into a lot of exegetical, breaking things down contextually, and it has scriptures that it points you to as well. So that's called Why Not Women? And so that's like, honestly, those are all the practical pieces that I wanted to give you guys. Let's just be students of God's word. Let's literally enroll ourselves in, the, in, in just the awesome, like, journey of learning God's word. Not just receiving it at face value, but going deep with him. I'm just going to pray for us that God would literally just, the Holy Spirit would impart hunger to know his word. Jesus. Let's all just cry out right now that God would just give us a heart to know him in his word. Jesus, we ask you right now that you give us a heart to know you in your word, God. I pray that hunger for your Bible would hit every heart in this room. Holy Spirit, would you give us the gift of hunger, the gift of just thirsting and hungering to be righteous and to be to be full of knowledge, be full of understanding, Lord. Give us a fear of you, Jesus. Give us a fear of God in this place, Lord. That we would not journey in the Bible the same, but that it would look different, that it would look deep, Lord. We don't want the milk, Lord. We want the meat of your word, Lord, so give it to us in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Yes, we love you, We want the meat, Jesus. We want the meat, Lord. We want the deep things of your word, God. So we ask that you would just bring us to that place that we can't even search for you outside of your grace inviting us to search for you. So we ask for your grace to be poured out over us, that we would go deeper in your word, that we'd be more committed to your word, Jesus, to knowing you more. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus.